10 jobs. Hello and welcome to Creation Curve Leadership. This is Coach and Kimberly bringing to you Episode 5, The Balcony Night Principle of Creation Curve Leadership. Now the Balcony Night Principle fits into our Creation Curve in the core pillar. And the core pillar of, of the Creation Curve Leadership model is everything that we bring into our leadership before we ever start working with people. So for example, your attitude, your energy level... The things that you have been taught, the stories that you have been told, and the stories that you have latched on to, yeah, your worldview, uh, your values, everything that shapes who you are that you bring into your leadership without thinking about it or with thinking about it, with an intentionality to say, this is the kind of leader that I am. It's the foundational work that you do in order to be a better leader. And it's not something you can ever get a, get away from. You're always going to bring in your own stuff. And some of it's going to be good. Some of it's going to be bad. Uh, but specifically, the balcony night principle has to do with what kind of story that you tell about the circumstance you're currently in. You know, It's possible to select the circumstances that are all around you. The question is, you know, are you missing something that is literally right in front of your face? Are you selecting... The circumstances that are right in front of you, are you missing something? Is there something that, is there quote-unquote low-hanging fruit that you can just reach up and grab? Is there something that you can literally turn over a rock and voila, look, here's the answer to my problem. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about the balcony principle. I'm talking about telling a different story. Oh, but what does the rock have to do with it? The I'm problem just, solving. Just, I don't know. <laughs> like, sorry, I listened to Sarah, Sarah Palin this weekend, and now I think I'm just like jabbering on. <laughs> this is my Sarah Palin bit today. <laughs> Should we put you to a, a video, like a rap <laughs> beat? Then you will sound even Lay better. Lay down some beats. <laughs> Remix. Oh, man. Okay, so basically the Balcony Night principle has to do with what story you are telling and the fact that we get to choose the story that we tell. So I don't know if you've ever been led by someone who is constantly telling a sad story. And you you know that you are on the team of a person who's who's crafting a story you don't really want to be a part of. And so what what attitude and perception you bring in to your leadership really affects your whole team. And so we're going to start with the story of our our family's balcony night culture. So when we first moved to Austin, we well, it cost a lot of money to move across the country. We moved here from Chicago because Austin. That's why. Because Austin. Everybody was like, "Why did you move to Austin?" Well, right now in Chicago, it's a snowstorm. People <laughs> right? are freezing. The East Coast is like shut down. Ben was supposed to travel today, but he can't even get there because it's like the whole airport is closed. We are looking out our window onto our balcony. It's like 65 degrees out there. Later, the sun gonna, is shining. The birds are singing. There. We're going to drink wine in our short sleeves. So because Austin. Right. For reals. So we moved to Austin. It costs a lot of money. So we land here. We're broke pretty much. And 
There's lots of fun things to go out and do in Austin. So many fun things. Yes. You should all come to Austin and visit us. And so we also have a, a rather exuberant, almost ready to turn five-year-old. Mm-hmm. And at the time, he was three when we first moved down here. And we stopped to think, okay, well, how do we, how do we go out? How do we, what do we do? We need to have some uninterrupted adult conversation here without, you know, every three seconds, you know, mom, dad, oh, this one time in Minecraft, mm-hmm. right? He loves to start stories like that. You just know you're in for 20 minutes, which is awesome, right? It's awesome. So he's, he's verbal and articulate and that's great, but his stories are really long. Right. Really right. long. Really long. He has his own podcast, by the way. You know, it's not published yet, but he has five episodes recorded on his tablet. So that's phenomenal. However, what do we... I mean, <laughs> he likes to be a part. He's not that kid that colors in the corner by himself. He wants to be a part of every single thing we're doing. And so when we were in Chicago, we had a lot of family and friends, and they would babysit for free, and we would babysit their kids, or, you know, Grandma and Grandpa were just happy to have Jack at any time. And so um, when we got to Austin, it was a little bit of a shock. You know, we knew it was coming, but it's still... Well, the other flip side of the coin is, I mean, yes, there are babysitters. Everybody's like, oh, we'll just get a babysitter. Well, you don't know those people. Yeah, first of all, you don't know those those people. I watch and Law and Order SVU. Too much sometimes. <laughs> and, you know, there's that. But then also you have to understand that, you, you know, you, you who are listening who are parents, you understand this. As soon as you add a babysitter into the equation, you have at least doubled your night out. You know, maybe tripled, depending upon the cost of the babysitter. And the cost of the date. Right, and so there's a. <laughs> now I'm a cheap date, but Kimberly is not. Okay, <laughs> that's why we get to do nice things. This is why we have nice things. This is why we get to do fun things, and um, it's, I'm very grateful for her higher standards. We go standards. on dates, and he literally is like, "Where is the cheapest place you're willing to go tonight?" Yeah, and so <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Not gonna work today, baby." Not happening. Not happening. <laughs> So we could have just said, well, we're just never going out again. We are doomed. 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 All right. I, I know people who, as, as mothers especially, the story that, that we can tell is... Doomed. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're just stuck at home until our kids are old enough to drive, you know. Next 18 or, years. You know, like until... We're done. Yeah, like, I, we'll date again in 18 years. You know, um, we don't have time for that. We spend all our money on our kids. We don't have money to date. We, we'll just, you know, our connection isn't that important. You know, I'm a mother. This is, this, is, this is part of the deal. But it doesn't have to be part of the deal. And for us, we think our connection is very important. So we have a high value in spending time in conversation and connecting to each other. And as much as we do love our little boy... He sometimes makes that kind of a challenge. And so we needed something we could do other than complain about how we can't afford a babysitter and can't afford a night out in this awesome town. So we had to change our story. And so we start to look around, and we, and we have this beautiful apartment. We have this amazing balcony. And at the time, you know, we, had, we, had, we were broke because you know, we had just moved. <laughs> I think we've established that we may have been broke. Okay. We were, yeah, we were broke. And so, um, so Kimberly actually found this, actually made this great deal at Walmart. Who knew you could make deals at Walmart? Not me. Yeah. It so, was kind of an accident. Yeah. So she got this 
big, beautiful glass round table for like ten bucks, ten dollars. You know, I mean, it's I don't know how much it was to begin with. It doesn't matter. It was a ten dollar table, and it's amazing. You know, it's this big, beautiful table. We got some chairs from IKEA because you know, five bucks, baby. Yeah, right. And uh, fortuitously, you know, we don't. I mean, at the time, especially, we did not have like what you would call a a deep palate for wine. <laughs> Meaning that we like cheap wine, really. And well, we could afford cheap wine. Well, we could afford cheap wine. Some right? of it was terrible. <laughs> it really was. Then, then we come back like I got this bottle of wine for two bucks, and I would be like, it tastes like two bucks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like for real. And so we gradually graduated to like four dollar bottle of wine, and you know, then Kimberly had the the visionary inspiration to go buy this little thing called a wine aerator, right? And so a wine aerator, you pour your wine through it, and it makes a $4 bottle of wine taste like at least an $8 bottle of wine, you know, sometimes 10 And so we started to sit out on the balcony. We'd pour wine through the aerator and make this funny little... Sounds sound. like a duck. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really kind of a funny sound. But it makes the wine taste amazing, you know? And so... We started to sit out on the balcony and we would drink wine until 1 or 2 a.m., you know. And this whole balcony thing started to really start to become part of our family culture. One thing that's very nice about our balcony is there's a window into Jack's room right on the balcony. So we could put him to bed. He, he doesn't love going to sleep. And we could open the window and he could see us and hear us. But we could still be outside on the balcony in a separate space, and um, and we would just we would just get to sit across the table from each other and talk as if we were on a date. Only our date only cost three dollars, <laughs> <laughs> right? And eventually, Jack started saying, "Mommy and Daddy, I want to be part of the balcony night. I want to so, have a balcony night too." So we would bring him out on the balcony and we would give him a cup of milk and we would all cheers and um, it just became something that our family did together. And then eventually he would go to sleep and we would stay out there and light a candle and just sit and talk to each other uninterrupted. Blissful conversation. (laughs) And it also started to become something that we started to invite other people into too. You know, where other folks would start to come in and, you know, we would would come over and we would have sit out on the balcony and, you know, we would have a balcony night with friends too. And just really, and it was a, it's really become something that is just a natural part of just who we are. It's part of our story, but it's also because we chose to tell a different story. Right. We chose to not sit around feeling sad that we didn't have enough money to go on these fancy dates. Austin is this foodie town. There are so many amazing places you can go. We could have sat around and been sad about that, and we could have, you know, modeled for Jack an attitude of, we don't have, we we can't do, you know, we were stuck in this circumstance, and so doomed, doomed, doomed. We didn't, we don't want that for him. We don't want that for us. We live in this amazing state, in this amazing city, and. We just changed our attitude about it. And it actually, now, a lot of times we don't want to go out. I mean, sometimes we want to go out. But 
<laughs> okay, I always want to go out. I was but... like, come on, come on, <laughs> come but on. It's very nice to to sit outside and talk to each other and talk to our neighbors. Our um, balcony overlooks the entrance to our apartment, and so. We see people as they're coming in. We've really gotten to know our neighbors. We have little conversations over the edge of the balcony and sometimes they come up and have a drink with us. And it's just, it's just been very nice. It's become part of the culture of our family. So what's the principle in this, Ben? Well, I think the principle in this is you know, when you're in any given circumstance, any given situation, you can choose to be doomed. <laughs> doomed. Choose to be doomed. That's episode six. Right? <laughs> or you can choose a different story. You can choose to select conditions that are literally right in front of your face and use the things that are right in front of you, maybe in a different way that you didn't anticipate. You know, the vast majority of people here in our complex, they don't sit on their balconies. That's true. Isn't Everybody wants a balcony, but no one sits on the balcony. Yeah, it's kind of that. like a pool and a weight room. Right, lots of people want pools and weight rooms, yes. but how many people actually go use it on a weekly basis? You know, was it? We used to actually work for a com for an apartment complex, and what was what, what did Tracy say it was like? So, like eighty percent of people want a pool, but only ten percent of people use a pool. People just want to know that if they feel like going to the pool, they would be able to, even though they probably never will. Yeah. So why not use the things that are literally right in front of you? I mean, sometimes we're too busy picking up pennies to, to reach over to the dollars, you know? I mean, there's so many different conditions we can select. And sometimes the conditions that we're talking about are literally, they're not actually real. They're actually just inside of our own brains. We're not picking the right stories in our own brains to allow us to see the benefits that are right in front of you. Okay, so let's tell another story where the balcony night principle is at play. Let's talk about when you were a computer teacher in the inner city of Chicago. Right, right. So back in the mid-2000s, uh, I went and taught in the inner city of Chicago at Roberto Clooney High School. And um, I inherited a room full of kids nobody knew what to do with. So Kim actually was, I had actually gone in and taught at the school before me. And she was actually my ticket in, you know, um, you know, the, the, the principal and the vice principal got to know me. Uh, they got to know I was a tech guy. And so because of that, you know, I, you know I, they started to kind of subtly recruit me to take over this classroom full of kids that nobody, nobody really knew what to do with. And at the time, most of the kids were just sitting there, you know, literally watching porn because it was back in the day and age where they, the, the controls on school internet wasn't, were not very good. And the kids were, let me tell you, these kids were brilliant, you know, and that was a killer. Most people said, oh, we'll shove them in a room and at least they're not, you know, roaming the halls, you know, for a couple hours. And so I got to know some of these kids. These kids were really smart. I mean, brilliant, brilliant kids. And it was just, you know, it was just a shame. And the teacher who was there, I mean, not a bad dude, he just... Didn't really have the qualifications and the the really the desire to to do anything with it, and so you know, and that's cool because that gave me the opportunity, and so I went in and started to tell the kids a different story because I knew the background of these a lot of these kids. A lot of my kids were not all of them, but a lot of them you know grew up on the streets. 
a lot of my kids were gangbangers. They were, uh, you know, kids that, that there was a particular narrative about their lives. And it largely revolved around drugs and gangs and going to jail. And a lot of those kids, it, school was just a holding place for them before they got to go to jail. I mean, really, it was kind of, for a lot of my kids, they thought it was inevitable. And I thought, that's a terrible story. That's terrible. You people, you kids are brilliant. And I started to tell them a different story and suddenly started to believe it. So what was the different story? So the story was that, you know, technology to, to a large degree is the great equalizer. You know, uh, if you don't, you know, it doesn't really matter what, what class or, or ethnic background you, you come from. I mean, if you can, either you can do the stuff or you can't. You know, I mean, you know, technology, uh, there's a lot, as a lot of you know, I mean, technology for a lot of people is kind of a mystery. It's not. I mean, you know, anyone can learn to do it. And I started to tell the kids that you can learn to do this stuff. And they did. And some of them started to believe me. And this is also where Ben got his nickname of coach because he had his students call him coach, partially because Mr. Culbertson sounded like his grandpa to him. But also because a coach teaches you a skill that you can get better at. And so he presented himself. He changed the story of what they thought of as a teacher. And he presented himself as someone who was teaching them a skill that was marketable and that they could become good at and that they could use to change their life. Yeah, a coach is someone who's invested in your success, too. And I think that was the bigger part of a lot of my kids would never have an athletic coach. You know, a lot of a lot of kids have, get a lot of that kind of encouragement and self esteem from being able to do sportsing. You know, they're <laughs> sportsing. You can throw a ball and catch a ball, and that's good and that's beautiful. But a lot of my kids wouldn't have that. Right, computer kids are not typically overlapping very often. With um, it's funny now, everybody calls Ben coach except for me because that would be weird. That would be weird. And so. Um, People always ask him, they say, oh, what's your name? He says, oh, I'm coach. And they say, what do you coach? Like football? And he says, computers. And they look really confused. <laughs> and then later I have to explain the whole story. Yeah, but it's a good story, though. But it's a good story, know? so hey, because, I get to explain the whole story. Because yeah, I, you know, I had 137 kids over two years, and 124 of my kids walked out of my classroom with some kind of industry certification. We're not talking about a high school level, like school certification, like the kind that adults would take and go into the industry and put on their resume. Right. And a lot of my kids did go into the industry. As a matter of fact, I'm still actively coaching about 20 kids even now. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, uh, obviously I do it, for, do it remotely. And I'm proud of my kids. You know, I'm proud of my kids. You know, uh, for example, uh, let's talk about just a couple of them. For, so first of all, uh, let's talk about Frost. Uh, Juan Miranda. Um, although I know he was Frost, you know, and so, uh, you know, is still active in the industry, you know, and still killing, actually just recently killed his, uh, first Cisco certification. Now Cisco certifications. Now I know a lot of y'all are not technical who are listening to this, but let me tell you, Cisco is ba Cisco basically runs the internet. Okay. <laughs> That's, you know, the internet pretty much runs the Cisco routers. And to get a Cisco certification is no joke. I failed my first CCNA exam. I think everybody for, fails the first one because they don't think or realize how difficult it's going to be. I mean, this is a hardcore, you got to know your stuff upside down and right side up kind of thing. So Frost, way to go, brother, by the way. Way to way. go, Frost. 
Uh, so Frost killed it. Uh, also, uh, let's talk about Slammer. Uh, Slammer, it, uh, I'm sorry, uh, a.k.a. David Alisea. Right? Uh, so Slammer is uh, one of the uh, one of the senior network administrators over at the DeVry campus, over at the Chicago campus of DeVry University. You know, which is no joke. And so, you know, a lot of my kids are still active in the industry even now. Uh, those are just a couple of them, as a matter of fact. So, uh, some of my other kids, you know, not everyone, not all of them went into computers. Like I had uh, Darian and Danny Limberopoulos, uh, Darian Colon and Danny Limberopoulos. They both went and served in the military. Very proud of th- those guys too. You know, I mean, you know, so, so a lot of my kids have gone on to do a lot of amazing things. And I think, um, you know, a lot of a lot of their attitudes started to change and started to shift because they started to understand there was a new story available to them. And a lot of it happened when we went downtown to go take our certification exams. Uh, and this first round, by the way, we uh, actually the no one actually passed the exams the first time around. You know, which is these are high school kids. You know, I mean, adults have trouble <laughs> passing these exams. And so we actually went downtown, but I had to get I I forced them to get dressed up. They had to wear a tie. You didn't force them. You gave them a choice to come. You invited them to come. You're right. You're right. Take their I did. certification, mm-hmm. and in order to do that, they did choose right to dress like a professional. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you know the girls went and found a very professional clothes. You know the boys, you know, with, you know typical traditional dress, professional dress for guys. Uh, I did have to sacrifice a couple of shirts and some ties. You know. Right. But to, to, you know, I would do it all day long. I would give them all my ties, you know, <laughs> if, I, if I needed to. And, uh, you wear them so often these days. I know, right? We live in Austin. You don't need a tie in Austin. <laughs> a tie? What? Uh, so, yeah. So, the, so, so many of these kids um, going downtown for the first time, you know, even though they lived in the city of Chicago, a lot of them had never been downtown. And so we went to the company that I had worked for previously who had a testing center and they have a, a they had a really nice downtown office at the time. Uh, I don't actually know if they still do, but because um, I think they've actually doesn't matter. Um, but the office that they had at the time was really nice. It wasn't spectacular. I mean, it wasn't anything that was. I don't know. I mean, there weren't mahogany desks and it wasn't ritzy. Yeah, per it wasn't se. ritzy. We didn't have champagne fountains, you know, in every corner. But I mean, it was nice. You know, it was, it was a nice space. And a lot of kids say they'd never been in, in such a nice place before. You know? And they started and my the staff who I had worked with previously were phenomenal people. You know, they're phenomenal people. And they treated my kids like they were like they were professionals, like they were real to and I don't think a lot of my kids were not used to having adults treat them with respect. And so we started to see some I started to see some fairly significant shifts in a lot of my kids after that experience. Also, we also, as part of our field trip, after that, we went to uh, go see The Butterfly Effect. And for those of you who've seen that movie, you know that it's all about little things affecting big future. And I saw started to see some of that. And I think some of my kids did, too. I think it kind of hammered it home a little bit. Uh, that this little moment, these little moments that we were going on, I think, shifted a lot of their futures. And away from the destructive storyline that, that would have been handed to them. That all, 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 the only thing you can expect to do is to go to jail. Oh, the only thing you can expect to do is be on government assistance forever. You know? Oh, the only thing you can expect. And my kids started to reject those stories. 
you know. Now, granted, not all of them did. Let's get real, okay? So, do I have some of the kids who are who are in jail? Yeah, sure. Do I have some? So, are some of my kids still on the street slinging dope on the corner? Yeah. Right, but as a leader, we don't get to control what people choose as their stories. Right, but we get to present a different story to step into. We get to present an invitation. But we have to have the perspective, of the, the question of what story are we telling. Um, it starts with us, and then we can invite people into that, and that's what you did. Um, let's talk for a minute about what this is not. So this is not a denial kind of situation. Right. It's not right. like um, looking at something that's terrible and saying, that's great, actually. Like, here, let's let's polish that up a little bit. It looks nice, you know. Um when we taught in the inner city of Chicago, there were a lot of things that were negative. There, there were <laughs> things in their yeah. stories that were true, and you, you couldn't shine that away, but you could offer a different path and a different perspective and say, it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to be hard. But here's where you could end up if you're willing to do the hard work to, to go after the better story. So it's a little bit more like going to the eye doctor. For those of you who have glasses, this will make sense. And if not, come with me on this journey to the eye doctor. So you sit in the chair, and they put these lenses over your face, and they say, side A or B? One or or two. Why are we changing to numbers? And so... The, at first, they're very different. Like one is very blurry and then one is sharp. And then as they get down into it, they're trying to figure out your prescription. Sometimes you have to look at it three or four times because they look exactly the same. And if you're like me, it stresses you out. But it's not, it's not like inside A, you look at it and it's a mountain with like flowers and trees. And when you look at side B, it's a trash heap with like garbage and like dead animals. Like the picture isn't changing, but the perspective is changing. There, there's something that you can notice, you can see in sharpness if you change the story and you look around you and see the opportunity that is in that. Um, so, so far we've been telling stories that are kind of like a large narrative of how we spend time together as a family and how, how you choose your future career path and what is available to you for if you are a student. But it can fit into smaller perspectives, too. For example, with our son, Ben actually started changing the language that he uses whenever he feels frustrated. Jack says, I can't do it. I'm like, we don't say that here. <laughs> That's, those are bad words in our household, by mm-hmm. the way. I can't do it. Right. Can't is a bad word. Yeah. And so there's a lot of other bad words that Jack says way too often because <laughs> we're pretty lax about the typical bad words. <laughs> yeah, right. So we're not worried about those, but I can't do it. That's, you know, that's that's serious stuff. But yeah, instead, instead, uh, I, I I want him I've been teaching him to say I don't know how yet. And that's a different story than I can't do it. Right. It gives that potential of, I can figure this out. And he always does, too. That's the killer. You know, once he starts, when he's, once he stops saying, I can't do it, and starts to, if I can get him to say, I don't know how yet, but I'll figure it out. You know, he always does. <laughs> you know, and that's not to say he doesn't need some help sometimes, because, of course, he's four, you know, about to turn five. But 
Still, that's a right. different story when you and say... We don't deny him the help, but how he asks for help even has changed. And if I say, like, I can't do it, he'll say, Mom, we do not say that. <laughs> we yeah. say, I don't know how yet. <laughs> yeah, and that's awesome, by the way, when he says that. Because <laughs> um, occasionally, I'll catch myself, oh, I just can't. He's like, Dad. Right. So <laughs> even little ways, even in the in the smallest ways of self-talk, you know, in that quiet voice that we speak to ourselves in, we reinforce a story. And if we, if we reinforce a story of we can't do it, you know, especially when, you know, setting up for a task, you know, then that, then yeah, you're right. You can't do it, you know, but if you say, I don't know how yet, but I'll figure it out. That's a different thing. You know, that's a different thing. And that, that kind of a mindset can easily transfer to a team. If you're working for a boss that says, this is impossible, we are the victims here. This is, you know, we've been handed the short straw, nothing is going well, this is going to be a disaster. That's not a story people are excited to be a part of. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, time to get that resume ready. <laughs> <laughs> right. But if you, as, as a leader, are saying, okay, this is a bit of a curveball, let's take a moment and acknowledge that this sucks, however... We're going to figure this out because we have a lot of power on our team. We have a lot of skill. We have the ability to work together. You know, we're going to we're going to figure this out and it's going to be impressive. We're going to balcony night that. Right? We're going to balcony night it. Hashtag balcony night. Hashtag balcony night. So, yeah, that you know, in little things like that, the way that we talk, in the way that we speak, really these little bitty things inside of ourselves, we can select different stories, select different conditions and literally pick up on the power that is existent. Just like Kimberly said in, in any given team, in any given team, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, well we just don't have the right people. I'll bet you probably do. <laughs> I'll bet you probably do. Although do, sometimes you don't, you know, sometimes, no. sometimes it's moving a person who's telling the bad story off of your team. True. You know, like, true. But they might have the skill, they may have the ability, but if they're telling the wrong story, then maybe we, is there, a, is there, can we tell a different story? Can they pick a different story? Now, if they can't pick a different story. Peace. Yeah. You know, might be time to it's, bounce, but. It's been real. It's been fun, but it ain't been real fun. <laughs> so now balcony nighting is a, let's just verb that right now. Okay. Balcony nighting. You're going to balcony night that. Um, Shifts a lot of things, you know. I mean, and most of the time they're not big things. They're not big things. What is it? Uh, C. Clement Stone always used to say that big hinges swing. No, no, no. That's not small right. hinges swing big doors. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. So there you have it. There you have it. What story are you telling, my friends? What story are you telling? And are you uh, are you balcony uniting some things that maybe you know maybe you've been missing? You know, maybe you've been so focused on the thing that sucks about something that you're missing the opportunity for something to become great. Yeah. Yeah. So what would it look like to stop complaining for just a little bit, look around and see if there if there's a perspective, a better story to be told. Right on. So that's it. That's all. The end. Well, you know, we still have not yet figured out how to end the podcast. We don't have an outro yet. Sorry about that. Peace. Peace out. 
But we need to balconite that. <laughs> we need to balconite it. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. We'll see you next time. Or you'll hear us next time. You'll hear us next time. <laughs> <laughs> Peace. Peace out.